Delighted to say that uh, Paul Curry and Nadine Doherty are with me here in the studio. You're both very, very welcome. How are things? Couldn't be better, Marie. Yeah, great. Great to be here. Great to be back. Yeah, it does feel like that, Nadine, doesn't it? We yeah. are back. Back to reality. <laughs> Busy weeks now for the next couple of months. Yeah, wall-to-wall um, league action. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. Uh, Paul, we'll be getting to the football as well, but I just want to talk to you both about um, Roy McElroy and the story that um, made its way into the news today that um, himself and Patrick Reed had a little bit of an encounter. It's probably exaggerated a bit when um, when re- upon reading on it, but when you look at the video, you can see that Roy McElroy is bending down um, at his bag in the Dubai Desert Classic and then um, along comes Patrick Reed, and they don't talk to each other and as Patrick Reed is walking away he throws a tee at Rory McIlroy and then he's asked about it in his pre-tournament press conference and he just said he felt like he didn't really need to acknowledge him. Um, he said that if he saw, he didn't see the tee coming in his direction at all, but apparently that's what happened. And if roles were reversed and I'd thrown the tee at him, I'd expect a lawsuit. I just thought, Paul, it's uh, it was it was a funny way to deliver it. Obviously, they have um, history over everything that's been happening um, with Liv. So um, we know that that was a reference to the legal action that Reid is taking um, on several fronts uh, over him joining Liv. He's uh, quite a litigious individual, but um, Rory was not happy about... Uh, about what went on with Liv and clearly you can see that there is a bit of tension between them not a huge amount mm. but you rarely get such insight though into the relationships of high high profile elite sports people and that in itself is quite interesting I feel Yeah absolutely and listen we probably see it in other sports and maybe not so often within the golfing mm. world it seems that the majority of people on tour seem to get on with each other but there's obviously this massive divide now between the Liv and, and the PGA and the players playing on the different tours and McRoy has obviously been at the forefront of nailing his allegiances to the PGA and has obviously run in had a bit of an altercation with, with Reid about this but if kind of just reading bits and pieces around it Marie it, it doesn't seem like Patrick Reed would be the most liked player no. on tour no. and uh, you know you can, you can be, certainly be see on there now. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can see the tension between the two I know there's not much going on in the video but McRoy is obviously found himself in that situation obviously doesn't want to have anything to do with Reed. it would be brilliant viewing if they were paired together at one of the oh, yeah. majors Bring that during on, the somebody. year and just see how, how that would play out but uh, for the tournament ha- happening this weekend it's out in Dubai I believe isn't it? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if, if they do happen to cross paths or if they were top yeah. of the leaderboard kind of come Sunday how that would play out it would be brilliant watch. And Reid of course is going to be asked about this situation as well no doubt when he does face up the to the media um, over the next few days but um, for anyone that doesn't know uh, the lawyers that are representing Reid had subpoenaed McElroy and Tiger Woods uh, because of the whole situation uh, with Liv and these were well Roy McElroy's was delivered on Christmas Eve so McElroy addresses this as well and um, he said that Christmas Eve of course was uh, 
not the best time from a family point of view to be subpoenaed, that he was trying to have a nice bit of time and then someone showed up on your doorstep and delivered it. You're not going to take that well. I'm living in reality. I don't know where he's living. If I were honest, I wouldn't expect a hello or a handshake. And like, how could you expect a hello or a handshake, Nadine, when you have subpoenaed somebody on Christmas Eve or you have dragged them into a legal uh, situation? It's such strange behaviour as well. Yeah, you'd wonder, is it a bit of naivety on Reid's part mm. or is it just a bit of arrogance? Um, I'd feel the latter. <laughs> I'd agree. You know, w- looking at the video, it's it's more of a toss of, of a tea than, you know, throwing the tea. But if you, you know, if you were to take it completely in its single context, you'd think nothing of it when you see and hear what's going on off the, off the the golf course um, yeah it's it's a bit of intimidation I'd say by Reid mm-hmm. and he knew exactly what he was doing looking for a reaction from the press I'd imagine more so than McElroy so I would imagine he's playing a very clever game and a long game um, but as Paul said wouldn't it be great if they were paired <laughs> at some point down the line yep compelling viewing um, okay so I guess everybody at this stage knows about the situation between Kilmacud, Croaks and Glen. So it seems to be moving along uh, quite a bit now after stalling for maybe the first day or so as Glen were deciding what to do. So the GA Central Competitions Control Committee has now started the process of dealing with the objection from Glen, the one that was lodged last night against the awarding of last Sunday's All-Ireland Senior Club Football Final to Kilmacud Croaks. It's definitely a story that's catching a lot of people's attentions. It's one of those uh, sports stories that's making its way to the front pages, um, from the back pages, so you know that there's a huge amount of interest um, for maybe non-dedicated uh, sports fans in this story uh, because of the nature of what happened and the high-profile players that are playing on uh, the Kilmacud team as well and just the fact that Kilmacud I think are such a high-profile club as well. Um, so a little bit earlier I caught up with uh, Damien Lawler to find out where the uh, where the situation lies right now. Marie, I'm grand. Yeah, this story is keeping us all busy and uh it, it could be sorted out in the next few days, Marie, but that depends now on what happens next. But the, the process is underway. The GA, the GA received the objection last night and uh, on, on, on the foot of that, they, um, they sent that objection to Kilmacro Croaks today and now, Marie, they must await the response. And the nature of the response and the time of the response will determine what happens next. It's a tricky one, Damien, isn't it? So if they're... Like, what situation do Kilmacud find themselves in in terms of options? Okay, so there is... Uh, there's three options, Marie. Um, I think that they, they, they can... Uh, this was the Stilorgan-based club, as we know at this stage, have a right to mm-hmm. counter-object. And we mentioned that last night, like, you have three days to get that in then as well. So that will bring you up to 11 o'clock on Saturday. They can also choose to inform the CCCC that they won't be counter-objecting. So if there is no objection, then the, the GEA can go ahead and actually schedule a hearing on the matter. And then the third option available is to submit a written admission that they had 16 players on the field. This is kind of a technicality, <laughs> as alleged by Glenn. And if Kilmacud Croaks uh, counter-object or don't submit a written admission, uh, it means that CCC can go ahead and actually hold a hearing. And... I think the point I'm trying to make here is the nature of those three choices will determine how quickly this process starts. Um, and the sooner it starts then, I think the sooner the GEA will be able to get a hearing held. And I think it's in everybody's best interest to get a hearing held very, very quickly, Marie. But they are the three options available available to, to Kilmacud Croaks at the moment. So 
you always have your finger on the pulse, Damien, when it comes to J matters. What do you think is the most likely outcome here? You know, initially, Marie, I was even chatting to you off air, and I, I didn't even, I didn't maybe think that a replay would come into mm-hmm. c- come into effect, and I wasn't sure if the Glen would even object, and even it, it, that went to late last night. I think maybe, possibly two meetings were held last night, and the objection only arrived in by eleven o'clock. Now they had until three thirty today earlier. Uh, so what will happen next? If the CCC, I suppose, once they make a decision, no matter what happens, Marie, there's three days then before either party or any party can decide to appeal that. Uh, if, the, if the GA and the CCCC decide that the game has to be replayed, that could happen as early as the weekend of the 4th or 5th of February. Uh, my information is that a Glen player is due to get married on the 11th of February, so that weekend is out. Uh, but the process could be then as late as the 18th or 19th of, Feb- 19th of February. Now, that's if the hearing determines that a replay is going to be awarded and that both parties are willing to play a replay. And anecdotally, Marie, you hear stuff about players going away, travelling mm. and all the rest of it. So by no means today am I saying that this is going to be a straightforward process, but certainly the path and the pathway to getting this underway and getting the process sorted is definitely there now. And it all remains to be seen what way Kilmacroke respond and how quickly they respond. And from there then, the GEA can get their hearings or their technicalities or their processes in order and get the thing, I suppose, straightened out. And everybody's conscious that there's two clubs, all the players' families are involved as well. So it's a, it's a mess, Marie. And I suppose if you can rewind it back to the day itself, if the 45 was retaken, if the information was communicated or if, if it was known or whatever decision was taken, I think you'd be in a situation then whereby all would be, would be okay that 45 might have been retaken and the game result would have stood. Now, it still might. So the options available to the CCC are you forfeit the result against Crokes, Chemical Crokes get a fine, or else there's a replay awarded. And it remains to be seen now what comes out of here. But we might know as early as Thursday, we might have an indication as early as tomorrow. It could be as late as Sunday. Depends on when the response comes in. Just given the fact that it's, it's GAA and the... I guess you could say kind of the standing that the game has within communities around the country. Is there a bit of pressure on Kilmacud Croaks now to um, to replay the game, do you think? That's, that's, that's a good question. Um, certainly all the focus has gone today from the Glen and the GEA, not the Glen, from Glen mm. and the GEA over the Croaks. That's certainly the case. Um, no matter what way you dress it up, Marie, I suppose there's a theory, hang on now, we were the better team the last day. Let's give them the rematch and let's go out and just finish the job. There is that theory. But then there's also a theory saying, you know, I mean, the game was awarded. Uh, we're within our rights to, to be considered champions. Um, and they may not agree to mm-hmm. any sort of a, a rematch. They, they, they may not counter-object, you know. It has to be seen what they do. But certainly there'll be two trains of thoughts on this. Uh, one, let's have a rematch and let's show a point here. And secondly... Uh, no, this is not our wrongdoing at all at all. Uh, but uh, I guess they did have 17 players on the pitch. Other people would argue then, Marie, that there was no significant intervention mm-hmm. um, but by the by the extra chemical croaks players. So I just wonder, could a fine be the end result in all this and how would that go down? So there's loads of subplots to come yet, Marie. We're only on the... Maybe yep. we're on the second term of, a, of a, maybe a winding road. <laughs> yeah, and of course the JRO is worried about precedent as well and, and um, what could happen that's a afterwards. Well, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. That's another one to, to factor in. Yeah, and just, um, I guess, look, we both know that when a club wins 
an All-Ireland club, um, it's a great celebration for everybody involved because mm. it's uh, generally been at the end of a very long year and um, yeah. celebrations do follow uh, for quite a number of days yeah. usually. Any anecdotal evidence about either club being back training? No, none whatsoever, no. Um, and I think the, the Glen players were in the committee room till last, la, late last night anyway, for sure. I think, uh, no, absolutely not. But then again, <laughs> I've been so invested in the boardroom side of things. Um, but like, you, you, you know, the inter-county season is back as well, Marie, and like, yeah. life moves on very, very quickly. And would I be surprised if county managers were, were calling their players back into training last night or this week? I would mm-hmm. not be one bit surprised. Um, I've seen that Sigerson players have to handle all that as well, so it'll be no different. But um, it'll be uh, an unwanted distraction for everybody, Marie, but Glenn feel very strongly about it. And um, I, I guess... <laughs> The next few weeks are going to be very, very interesting, you know, because as you know better than anybody, the Allianz League starts on yeah. Saturday and it's very, very intense. You get a slight break then and you're into a, a provincial championship. That's intense. And then you get a slight break there and you're into a round robin series. And that's really intense. So it's all the way until August. Space is at a premium. And uh, there's no manager, you know, the managers, I'm sure, will be saying to the club players, look, we've got a ship to move on here. Yeah. You know, come back quickly as you can few high-profile uh, county players involved in those setups as well. Definitely. Uh, Damien, Definitely. one thing that's for sure is, though, we didn't expect we'd be having our first major scandal slash saga this early in the year anyway. <laughs> no, we didn't. And I, I thought, look, usually, you know, even let the league start off before we... No, no, it's an awful setback to... It's an awful setback to, to everybody involved in Gaelic games, Marie, to be honest with you. Mm. It's just... It's one of these things you, you don't want it on a Premier Club final. Look at the other side of it. Life does move on outside of it. It's really only the two clubs and the, maybe the counties, county managers affected. Like nobody else will really be too overly concerned about it. But, but certainly got great momentum there the last few yeah. days. And I've been covering a lot of news stories over the last few years. And this one got very, very quick momentum. And it, it kind of made a, made, a, made a big dent straight away. So... Yeah, it's, it's very early in the year and I hope it doesn't set the trend for the rest of the year, Marie. Gosh, you'll be busy. Uh, Damien Lawler, thank you so much for joining us. We will be keeping an eye on this story over the next few days to see how it unfolds. Nadine Doherty talking to Damien Lawler there about the... Um about the situation in Kilmacud, Crokes and Glen. Look, you've been in situations where you've um, been in uh, club dressing rooms and you know what it's like to, to win at the, the top level. Even just the mentality to come back now and try and play a replay for players, if that's what it comes to, it'll be really difficult. Really difficult, Marie. And I mean, it's really difficult at the best of times, you know, going to a replay. Um, but in this situation, in this context, I mean, it's just all over the places. As Damien said there, there's weddings. Yeah. Uh, are they back training? just in case it goes to a replay. Yeah. Uh, the league is starting. You'll have guys looking for time off. It's just, it's a big mess up by the GA really because I mean Crokes did not do that on purpose mm-hmm. that's very clear uh, nobody noticed on the night on, on the pitch you know uh, until after the final whistle and it's just a massive massive mess up really and I do feel bad for those players now in terms of preparation and what you do um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen really that's it'll be really really interesting tomorrow I would imagine that there will be a decision sooner rather than later I think there has to be just to put it to to rest or stretch it out for another couple (laughs) of weeks who knows
Paul, I'm always curious about what people who come from other sports think when the likes of the J or whatever get whatever sport it is get in gets into gets itself into a mess. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, actually, I was listening to Alan speaking about it during the week, and he kind of hit the nail on the head with you know how fluid the substitutions are within mm, GAA that yeah. it's almost like roll on, roll off, and you can maybe understand that one has got under under the radar in a, in a pressured situation and the communication has just broken down but it's something that from a football point of view would just never happen I mean yeah. there's a stoppage in play for subs to come on and off and, um, and there's know, an official there's there. a fourth official yeah. there who probably operates that process yeah. a little more diligently than they seem to do in GAA yeah but that's what we were saying off air there you know you could go down to a league game in Letterkenny and there could be a fourth, fourth official there who was very strict mm-hmm. and it wouldn't happen so it's just the lack of consistency then at the top club game the All-Ireland Club final and there isn't somebody there or if there is somebody there they're not doing their job properly so there is no consistency really in, in terms of, of that happening it's to see it so dividing or being so divisive like people are really one way or the other on it they think that Croke's almost cheated or they think that Glenn should have just left it alone it's there doesn't mm. seem to be a middle ground anywhere it's one or the other Paul yeah and could you imagine what those conversations are going to be like mm. when they're trying to decide what it is they do with this um, event and whether or not they, they put it to a replay or, or Glenn just I guess concede at, at the end of it I can only imagine the the consultations mm-hmm. and the approach that both sides will have and it's going to be you know irrespective of the decision there's going to be some people who think it's right and some people who think it was wrong because it's very hard isn't it to to predict how a situation would have played out yeah. if there was one man less I think Nadine as well because of what happened with Croaks last year and the fact that it was so tight at the end and they didn't end up winning because of um, of conceding a goal so late that there is now I guess a perception out there that maybe who knows what could have happened if the players that were on the field everyone that was on the field was supposed to be on the field and that's it um also, I'd say there's no love lost there between those teams. And, you know, looking at Croaks, they're passed to the final last year, they're passed to the final this year. Glen are the team who really, really put it up to them. You know, they've they've waltzed to two finals. And if you're Glen and you're looking back at that video, I mean, you know, we were chatting. Like, Connor Glass didn't have his best game if we went to mm-hmm. a replay. He's not going to have two per games in a row. Uh, for me, Glen probably were the better team overall you know I felt they probably played the better football squandered probably more chances Mm. Um, so if you are a Glen player you're probably looking at it going you know what I would love another bite at that regardless of what's going on in the background yeah because it was so close it was so So tight so close I mean so close and it was a brilliant game of football and for me really like as a fan I'd love to see them play again but you know as a footballer there's part of me as well who would just like to see it be put to bed and, and and I feel, you know, Crokes didn't do it on purpose. It, I would feel, mm. I don't think they did it on purpose. I think it was a complete mistake. And I think, you know, they won that. They won the game. And I think let them let them off. But that's, So no replay for you? I, no, I d- you know, I don't think so. Even though, you know, Glenn were, were, were fabulous and what have you. But I mean, you can't, you can't look at that picture and the 16th man, I mean, if it was the 16th man who was pressing at the top of the 45, how much influence does he have on, on the play? You know, you, mm-hmm. you can't predict what would have happened or could have happened so Paul I know you're not GA keep me out of this one. <laughs> 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 I'm definitely not a GA man so I'm not, I'm not going to put in here Marie um, right well we should find out as Damien said it could be as early as tomorrow it might be later on in the week uh, just to see what the next steps are in all of this um, it is fascinating it's giving us a talking point that we weren't expecting and uh, it's uh, it's it's 
it's got the whole country talking, I have to say. Uh, Paul, let's move on to football now. Um, we don't have any Premier League games, but we do have the EFL Cup. Uh, tonight sees Nottingham Forest and Manchester United. Um, haven't seen any team news yet, but um, you'd expect Ten Hag to want to just keep going out winning games. You absolutely would. And I mean, this is a, a prime opportunity for Manchester United to win a trophy. Would you be able to, off the top of your head, last trophy Manchester United won? Jose. Yep. Europa League or 2017. Wow, wow, that long ago. It has been a while, and this is a prime opportunity, you know, just to to build belief within the squad, bounce back from the results against Arsenal on the weekend, and also try to get success back into that club. And this is a prime opportunity. I mean, they they walked past Notts Forest back in December three 0 and they made very light work of it. And the fact that it's over two legs, you would imagine that it will be Manchester United and you would imagine Newcastle on the basis of last night's result and performance in the final but a prime opportunity to, to just put positive spotlight mm. on Manchester United you know they have to be back winning trophies if, if Ten Hag is to build something and to I guess try attract new faces and players yeah. you want to be joining a successful and the fans journey. Paul too because they seem to have really gotten behind them and even when things are going uh, not the way they want them to in games we've seen the fans now getting behind them when the chips are down which wasn't always the case at Old Trafford for a long time No it wasn't and I, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that you can kind of see the structures behind Manchester United and and there seems to be a pattern to their play and an understanding that they're building towards something and I think that's what Manchester United fans have been crying out for for a long period of time Yes the recruitment needs to be better but what you can see with the crop of players that Ten Hag has is that he is building towards being a top four team again and if you look in previous years gone by Marie whether it's been Chelsea under Mourinho or Pep Guardiola Man City Klopp and Liverpool the League Cup and winning the League Cup has been a step in the right direction to success further down the line whether it be this season or next year it is certainly something that teams have built on in the past and on the basis of the form that Manchester United have shown in recent months you wouldn't be surprised if this was to be their springboard onto better things what about Everton? Let's leave the uh, EFL for now and talk about the situation there. Lots of names been linked with the new manager's role. Bielsa, Dyche, Rooney. What do you reckon? The, the, the thing about Bielsa that would worry me, I think Bielsa would probably be a good fit for the club and I think he'd be a good fit with regards to kind of getting Everton back to what they have been in years gone by, which is a you know a high-energy, difficult team to beat whereby Goodison Park becomes a fortress and it is a difficult place to go. They've been an absolute pushover over the last number of months and even going into the back end of, or even into last season as well, where they were terrible at times. Bielsa, I think, needs time and I think he needs time to turn things around and start getting results and performances. And if you look at the league table at this moment in time, you probably can't afford to go a sustained period of time without seeing that maybe bounce that you see when a new manager comes mm-hmm. in. That's why somebody like a Sean Dyche or... You know, you know, somebody in the mould of a Sam Allardyce everyone fans won't want him back there but somebody in that mould to give them that bounce to just keep them in the Premier League for this season and then go back to it again at the end of the year and see okay who's going to be the best man to actually try bring this project together and, and, and start bringing themselves back up the Premier League table um, it hasn't worked out with, with Frank Lampard it hasn't worked out with the recruitment the directors of football that they've sacked over the last number of years the club is a mess at this moment in time and in order to secure Premier League safety, they might be better off going with somebody who knows the league inside yeah. out <clears throat> and somebody who's been used to being down the bottom end of the table with Bernie. And Sean Dyche is probably the right fit, I think, for for what Everton are right it. now. I could as well. Yeah. I, I'm not sure he's he's the 
the the long term answer for Everson. Yeah. I, I don't think Everton fans will buy into his his style of football and being you know quite pessimistic or, or negative nearly in their approach. It didn't really work out for Sam Allardyce was he when he was there and Sean Dice is probably not the exact same type of manager but certainly in the same mould. They have Arsenal, Liverpool, Leeds to come over the next couple of weeks. So they definitely need somebody who knows to how to turn a club around without being able to make a huge amount of changes. Yeah, and Arsenal and Liverpool is obviously going to be a very stiff test. But once you go beyond those two games, there there are four games after that are Leeds at home, Villa at home, Forest away and Brentford at home. Mm-hmm. So All winnable. They are, and there's there's certainly there's opportunities there to pick up valuable points. Even if they were to be, beat Leeds, you could start looking at bringing Leeds back into that into that kind of relegation battle. Nottingham Forest, I'm still not convinced that they're going to be safe. I think they're a side who'll be there or thereabouts, and um, you know they are prime opportunities for Everton to pick up points. And there's not going to be a huge amount after that because if you look after those fixtures, they play Chelsea, Tottenham, Manchester United. So they they need to get somebody in. They need to get somebody working with that side and putting a bit more structure on the team. Mm. Defensively, they've let him way too many goals. It was the exact same with Lampard when he was sacked from Chelsea. Towards the end, they were conceding goals in, in all different forms. And they need to get back to kind of what Everton have been when they've been successful, which is dogged, hard to beat, and really getting the home fans behind them. When I saw the reports that the club was potentially up for sale, I thought that would actually be a good thing just given the amount of volatility around the owners. But it doesn't seem to be the case now. It seems like um, Farad Mashiri is going to stick with them. And I don't know how successful that's going to be in the long term. Just even the amount of managers he brings in. Well, you can see any time they play at Goodison at the moment, it's so tense. Like Mm -hmm. you you could nearly... You can sense the tension through the television just how... I guess bad the relationship is between the owners, the board, the chief executive, and the fans, and that's almost showing in in their play as well. You know, yeah. they're probably better off away from Goodison Park at this moment in time with how fractious those relationships are, and you can see it creeping into the players. There's such a lack of confidence throughout the team, and the sooner those relationships and and that I guess direction of the club is ironed out and there's a bit more clarity for fans I think that could help them but yeah you're right it, it's, not, it's not going well even if you look at like Dan Juma was linked with Everson and it seemed like it was nailed on that he was he was going to end up there and then that transfer slips away from him at the last minute mm-hmm. and, and he seems if he's going up to Tottenham and they could have really done with somebody up at the top end of the pitch but how, how does that happen why does that happen yeah. you know something's not right there yeah well, I think if uh, I was a player well you were a player Paul would you want to go there at this moment in time like if you're a manager or a player you'd probably be saying not right now yeah. I think Everson as a club obviously the history that they have the the fans the new stadium that they will have there it's certainly a place that many a player would want to play but right now it's probably one <laughs> you want to stay away from OK uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, stay with us though uh, Paul Ganey from Kerry is up next <laughs> Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. We are now going to turn our attention to Gaelic football and I am delighted to say that Paul Ganey joins us on the line. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Paul, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm a bit tired now. We were up in Clare today, so we were doing a few shots for the, the launch of the Allianz League. So just, just arriving back to the England note. Thanks for the God. Paul, I was uh, looking at some of the uh, interviews that you did because the online lads had them up fairly quickly and everybody's asking you about retirement. How does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of ageism already, isn't there, when, once you turn 30 um, in the GA. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a question that's kind of 
goes it goes with the territory, I suppose, when she turned thirty and the demands of the game at the moment. So um Ira, look I'm 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 feeling good and, and, and psychologically ready to go again. So different fellas are in different uh, different boats, so I'm good anyway, but um the next thirty plus year old you, you interview you might give them a bit of grace and don't be asking them over <laughs> I know we should be admiring the dedication and the commitment and the determination to keep it going but look um, we never do that unfortunately we're always looking for the angle um, yourself though just from a, an injury point of view how's the body because you have been uh, on the lo- on the road now for quite a while yeah it was good um, I managed an, an ankle injury at the back end of last year uh, through the, the, the club championship and the county championship so uh, I just had to tidy that up there in the off season and I'm still just fighting my way back from that but uh, all's going well so far hoping to be back fit in the next couple of weeks and, and get back into the league so um, good otherwise uh that, that was kind of uh, more of a club it was niggling alright in the, the tail end of the intercounty but it wasn't really very prominent until the, the club side of it so um, it's, it's done and dusted now and I'm just trying to get back from it so otherwise the, the body's good and um, really fresh now and looking forward to a nice little break uh, we went off to the, the team holiday as well in December and we Christmas before we got back together so uh, well refreshed now and, and looking forward to going, going again this year and there's a bit of excitement building again I think yeah, I'd say there is, and I'd say as well, though, Paul, you need a break, like because it is full on from from when the the year starts, like it's it's into the season straight away, and and I know it's a split season, but then you you tag on club afterwards, and the the demands are still pretty much the same. They are, and um, obviously, burnout has been a big topic down down the years. But I, I my personal opinion on that is that most teams are looking after their players as regards training and that sort of thing, but it's more burnout mentally. This there'll be more dangerous where, where you're probably getting pulled from, from one team to the next and they're all demanding the most so that that, uh, that break in the off-season is it's vital I think to, to recharge upstairs and um, wrap your head around again the demands that are going to come down the line um, and also just get some more rounded lifestyle into mm-hmm. into into, um, into while you have while you have the chance because when the season's on uh, weddings and and and, uh, and confirmations and family outings and all that they kind of take they all take the back burner so when there's the chance there in the off season to rebuild relationships maybe and all that sort of thing that's important too so it's a, it's a good chance to do that and and, and, uh, and get the, the mind fresh again for the demand again of the, the following year so um, I managed to do it this year some guys didn't but they, they'll get a couple of weeks and it's not every year that the club runs on Um well, unless you're from one of the, the very few clubs in the country that uh, that are going full time every year to all and finals and that, but um, yeah, so um, they 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 they'll be delighted with their all Ireland, the Cliffords and uh, and Paul Murphy and Shane Ryan as well, and a couple of new guys that are after coming into the panel, so um, they'll get their cut their little break and and they'll be back fighting for it again as well. Yeah, it's tough at the top, is is what they say. So, um, Paul, everyone that's came on the programme today, I'm asking them uh, where they sit on the Kilmacud Glen uh, saga, whether you think it should be a replay, could be a replay. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one. It's tough on everyone involved there, obviously, having having given their all for the, the bones of a year and Kilmacud are probably on the road two years on the, on the trot now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a tough one for them, but... Um, or look, it doesn't really matter what my opinion is on it, but uh, hopefully they'll, they'll come to some sort of an arrangement that suits both sides and uh, and get something done. But it's just unfortunate. It's um, 
it's human error that happens all the time. It's just this, this, this case it just happened to be in 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 the big in the spotlight because it was an All Ireland final. Um, so it's unfortunate in that in that regard. But hopefully they'll come to a conclusion. Um, as it is an amateur game, and, and I was listening to you on the way down, and obviously you touched on it that there's weddings and, and mm. uh, all sorts of um, things planned by guys going on holidays and going travelling and all that. So. Um, it's a bit messy but hopefully they'll come to some sort of a conclusion quickly yeah it is there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who have made plans no doubt and like as you said there it's there's there's no quick fix there's no right and wrong answer it's just trying to get the best case scenario for everybody involved and hopefully they'll get there quickly um, I just want to pick you up on something that you mentioned Paul is just talking about um, family and, and, and juggle and you know usually it's a thing that we talk about with female athletes and female uh, sports stars and they're trying to keep everything going but just due to the I guess the change in perspective for a lot of people we're hearing more about what it's like being an inter-county man with the family as well and Lee Keegan brought it into the into the news cycle recently when he spoke about his decision to retire and how he wants to be around more for his kids um We've had different people on over the years uh, speaking about it. Finney Corey was on before with me and, and he said that he actually likes that he goes out playing football in the evenings because his children are seeing him coming in from work, putting on his gear and going out and kind of doing something that's bigger than sitting on the couch watching television or, or whatever it is. Where, how do you find the whole juggle of it? Yeah, um, obviously this popular at the moment is Dave, Dave Moran uh, touching it as well in, in his retirement statement during the week and, um, and Lee was on the, the Late Late Show talking about it but um, yeah, look, everyone's going to be different in that regard. I, I now have two I have two kids, a uh, six-year-old boy and, and uh, we had a little girl during the season last year um, and obviously my wife is incredible and she, she does, uh, I'd say, 99.9% of everything that's required but um it, it, obviously, it can it can play in your mind when you're when you're when you are going out the door maybe five or six times a week during the year and, and the contact hours with them aren't as, as much as you'd like. But the split season has helped that in some regard. That it's six months now and the other six months of the year I'm only travelling five minutes or or, or field in Dingle to train and I, I had the time there and um, that off season this year was uh, was great because I had Christmas at home without having to go tra- uh, training to Clarny, which would have been the case for kind of a, maybe the 23rd the 26th 28th whatever but this year it was, wasn't back till the 28th so um, it's a bit more flexible with the split season um, but obviously as you age then you're, you, you're you know there's more uh, responsibility as well in in, um, in, in your job and, and your career after football and, and trying to make sure that there's uh, there's bread in the table and all that so um, everyone's going to be different but uh, as the kids do grow older, it, it, it probably does get more difficult because you, you do like to have those contact hours. And mm-hmm. um, if, if I was trying to, uh, you know, if I was getting home, I'd be trying to get out to, to keep all with with, with Paddy or um, go to his training sessions or, or whatever it is. Um, his interests are karate or swimming at the moment, Irish dancing. Um, but I miss all of those, and my wife brings them to him because of the time of day it is, or I'm at work or whatever. So um, that's you know that's the kind of the main part of it. So. At the other side, as you said about um, Corey, like it, it, it's, they do see you going out, and, and maybe you are a role model, or if they're friends, like he, he's in senior infants now, and his friends um, might know me as a Kerry footballer. And there's the the post that side of it as well for him. Maybe that um, they, they they see that, and they might think that's cool or whatever. And um, you know, there's there's the pros on that side of it as well. But obviously, as he gets older, he'd like to spend more time. But um, once you step out of this game, you're 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 done because uh, coming back is 
the way things have gone and, and the fitness in the SNC, it's probably it's, it's not an option really after after the age of thirty. If you take years out, you're 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 losing a good bit. But um, I, I'll try and max it out as much as I can and. Hopefully he'll understand it when he's older. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we plenty of years for driving him around to all the training sessions, no doubt. Um, it sounds like you do have, um, you do plan to add a few more chapters uh, to your story. Uh, what's your aim for the season? Yeah, um, hopefully, um, get back number one anyway, and resume the resume the form that I was in really in the in the, the club and the county championships uh, of last year. Um, maybe had a bit of a disappointing end to the season, the semi final and final. Uh, Coming off earlier than and 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 underperforming really to my standards, so uh, try to get back to my my best and uh, and and finish finish the year this year with uh, with great performances and and um, adding to the team with Kerry whatever that may be um, for us to, to achieve what we want to achieve as well. Um, hopefully that's more silverware and that's obviously going to be a target. But um, number one is is to, to start start performing and and. Uh, putting the building blocks in place there that we that we did last year throughout the league and, and um when the championship came around then we were we, we had all, all in place to execute game plans and, and not that we were ever fully content with uh, any of our performances last year. There was always a game that we came off the back and were disappointed with aspects. So maybe um from a team point of view be more uh be more consistent twelve, seventy minutes and um just enjoy it as well because Obviously, every year you're not going to win every year, but it, it's it's a fierce waste of time if you're you're neither winning nor enjoying it. So, um, enjoying it and and see where that takes us. I think and um, I think that's a good good way to approach it. Really, otherwise you're wasting everyone's time. Wise words, Paul Ganey. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, safe home. I'm looking forward to seeing how the season goes for you. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Paul. Right, the season is definitely um, upon us. Uh, Nadine and Paul are still with me here in a studio. Nadine, let's turn our attention now to uh, the Ladies Football National League because it did get underway. Um, we were treated to some brilliant games. A few shocks already. There was uh, intriguing results. Let's start, though, with Dublin and Meath. Dublin beating Meath. A few changes in Meath. They obviously have a new manager, but it's the Dublin personnel that seem to be catching everybody's eyes. The transition is very much in full flow. Yes, and last week, you know, when I was chatting to Shane and we spoke about, I suppose, the Dublin transition that has been gradual over the last two or three years. And I would have questioned last week, have have the players that Mick has introduced been up to standard? They probably has, haven't, you know, in the last few years. But I know it's only the first week of the league, but I think that new look Dublin, <coughs> excuse me, very confident. I think Mo- Mick Bohan will be very happy. Um, you know, just a few points on, I suppose, how they how they played. They're still looking to use that wits and attack that has been really successful for them, especially against Mees. Um, what I really liked about Dublin, and it's just a classic Mick Bohan coaching, and it was the difference between the two teams, I felt, um, at critical times at the weekend. His focus on basic ball skills. He always talks mm-hmm. about it. And you could see almost every single Dublin footballer playing off both sides uh, Jennifer Dunn got a brilliant point at a critical stage off her left foot and Meath uncharacteristically were so poor in possession at times um, 
giving away the ball unforced errors so that was a, a huge contrast between both um, as well look coming back to the old players Carla Rowe was absolutely phenomenal I mean she was brilliant and we haven't seen Carla mm-hmm. Rowe in the early stages of yeah. the league in a few years um, and even when she came off with about 10 minutes to go Dublin dipped a little bit um, but they were able to see it out so it was brilliant to see Carla back and Mick will be thrilled with that because you need players like that to bring these younger players through Jess Tobin a corner backup player of the game um, she kept Neville Sullivan scoreless and very quiet last year's player of the game in the final and I think a big one for me was Orla Nolan has moved from half back to half forward so I think the penny has finally dropped with Dublin that perhaps Orla's defensive skills haven't been up to scratch mm-hmm. especially in the big games you know in that game against Donegal last year that they lost Orla going forward was fantastic but she left big gaps at the back so whether that's going to be a permanent move that she'll play in the half forward line who knows but you could hear from the sideline there was a huge amount of direct coaching to her so they've obviously been practicing this at training and she was very effective and listen it's a tactic they've used and has worked for them but it's a tactic that Donegal used a lot a direct cross ball into Hannah Turrell and it worked really really well because the Meath full back line is quite small so look Mick Bowen had his homework done a very difficult first outing for Davy Nelson you know he was approaching it without a lot of his big names and I just felt Meath you know Stacey Grimes kept them in touch with Freeze. She also uncharacteristically missed a lot of Freeze in, in, in the first half and had she nailed them I suppose they may have been closer but for Meath I felt they were they were really flat and I know, again, it's only the first game of the league, but I just felt there was, it was a low energy about them, mm-hmm. you know. And as well, I felt their defence, which again is so uncharacteristic, it was so loose at times. I mean, Dublin made unforced errors and lost possession and they were able to gather it back without a Meath player intercepting. So, you is know... Is Davey I, building on what was there or is he doing his own thing? Well, I'd say a, a bit of both. I'd say a bit of both. I mean, you can't totally abandon what has won yeah. essentially three All-Irelands in a row, you know, an intermediate and yeah. two seniors. But as a as a manager, you do want to come in, you want to introduce your own, I suppose, principles, your own culture. So I would say he's trying to get a balance of both, which for him at the weekend was very difficult without so many of his, his main players. So look, you know, Meath won't be worried, but and I wouldn't be worried for them, but it was just there were a lot of uncharacteristic um, errors I suppose and just that low energy about them was it was um, just strange to see because we haven't seen that with me in years really I was uh, so interested in Cork and how they were going to line out and we're talking about new look teams like this Cork team only had six that started in the 22 quarter final defeat to Mayo so they ended up beating Mayo 2-11 to 12 but they're transforming their setup. Well, you know what I mean, Orla Finn, we saw she mm-hmm. retired during the week and, and what a servant and what a player for yeah. Cork. You know, she's up there with the Lindsay Davies of this world. And then before that, Emer Scally stepped away, Anya Terry stepped away officially, you know, from the panel this year. And there were a number of familiar faces not there, whether they'll come back later mm-hmm. in the league. But you had big returns, like the Kylie sisters are phenomenal. And, you know, they weren't there last year. And there's been a lot of new additions who as of now I'm unfamiliar with but we'll get to know them over the next few weeks and I suppose looking at both teams Mayo on paper did look stronger in terms of household names but Cork were they were fantastic and I think to be honest reading between the lines over the last few years and Cork results and you know being knocked out of the championship at quarter final stage I think maybe this change was needed and, yeah. and is needed. And you, so you said that actually Nadine we were talking about this last season and um, you felt like 
it was gone not like a stale might be the word to, to use yeah, but it just something a bit something. of freshening up yeah it just wasn't right yeah. you know it just it wasn't right and you could feel that you could sense that something behind mm. the scenes was, was negative so look it could be positive looking at the weekend it was very positive but looking at I suppose the age demographic of the teams I would imagine that a lot of those core players are playing college football mm-hmm. which gave them I suppose that fitness they had a huge advantage in terms of pace and their first half they absolutely blew Mayo out of the water Mayo were very open down the middle very slow to start and while Cork went in up by seven points I think it was at half time they could have been up by double that to mm-hmm. be honest and then in fairness you know we've seen this Mayo team they're very resilient they kind of got the ball rolling in the second half Sean Howley picked off some brilliant scores but you know you always felt with Cork they were just able to go up the pitch tag on that extra point you know when Mayo got to three they were able to get to four and so on and the goal that I think it was Katie Quirk maybe at the end she got a brilliant goal to just put that breathing space between them but a, a really well deserved win for Cork and I'm excited for them this year I am you know it'd be I, nice to get them yeah, back challenging properly the time. you know um how are you feeling about Donegal only scoring six points against Galway? Oh, well, listen, <laughs> I was saying to somebody, the weather and the heavy pitch matched the game itself. It was just dour, Marie. It was, it was tough enough going. But if you look back to last year, the opening fixture, and TG Carr showed it as well, it was the same. Both teams, listen, they kept possession, but for me, in a way, for Donegal, it was a means to an end. It was a definite game plan because... You look at that team sheet, you know, no more than than Cork at the weekend. Uh, a lot of new names. So I would imagine that the Donegal management, you know, the game plan was keep possession, take our chances when we get them. And in fairness to them, it was their unforced errors that mm-hmm. lost them the game. They they nearly executed a game plan to perfection, even though it was very tough to, to watch because Galway didn't play with much purpose either. And the difference really, Galway were able to spring like Tracy Leonard and Chloe Miskell off the bench in the last 10, 15 minutes to give them that lift. But, um, you know, there were some great performances. Young Saskia Boyle, you'll remember um, her dad, Tony Boyle from 92. Uh, she covered every blade of grass. And I mean, she her name's been floating around the county for a good few years. So it's brilliant to see her on the yeah, senior panel. Very capable. And I thought Evelyn McGinley, Emer Gallagher, um, Roisin Rogers, you know, girls, familiar names. Yeah. They were very good. And look, Galway, great to see the Leonards back. Roisin Leonard, that was probably the what lifted the whole game was her 30-yard free off the ground. Um, that was the highlight of what was a, I'm not even going to say intriguing, it was a poor game. But listen, <laughs> looking at the Donegal and Galway teams from last year's round one to the Donegal team that got to the league final, very different so look they'll progress that you know. seems to be the team though as well if you look at, at Kerry too um, they narrowly defeated Waterford but they had a lot of new faces as well so you just wonder are they, is that a, are they just bringing players through now and, and maybe looking towards later in the summer yeah I think so and you know as Paul Ganey was saying there you know with the split season you'll have some players who just need and mm-hmm. take that extra time you have college football you have managers who are aware of burnout and the league has always been an opportunity to introduce new players but looking at Division 1 and your Armas and you know your other senior teams who'll challenge I think Marie it's if you look at all those squads I think it's going to be a really really competitive championship because aside from say Kerry and Galway who have retained last year's panels and will probably add to it all the rest of the teams have I mean they're going to have five to six players starting that are going to be pretty much brand new so I think you're going to have a lot of teams kind of meeting in the middle it's going to be really competitive but what that 
might lead to as well as what we saw between Galway and Donegal is possession football because we know with managers when they have a bit of a transition the first thing you focus on is defence and the fir- then the second thing you focus on is keeping possession so while it could be a very even championship we may not have a huge amount of entertainment Nadine, from don't say that we're only in January <laughs> <laughs> but that that is their go-to that is the manager's go-to it's like keep possession and, and keep it tight at the back and, and pack defences and hope for the best <laughs> hopefully I'll be completely wrong but uh, yeah just on Waterford you know I just I feel Waterford have been so unlucky over the last mm-hmm. few years and here's another example they lost by a single point got off to a really bad start I think they were down by five or six after 15 minutes and then got going and just left it too late and you know that could be that could be a game that really really comes to haunt them yeah Kerry by round seven yeah Uh, okay we're going to take a quick break uh, but do stay with us because Jane Mangan is standing by to give us some tips for the TS days game on on 2FM now welcome back it is Wednesday but Jane Mangan is with us anyway Jane how are you you really, you were stuck on a Wednesday, so you brought her in a, a few days earlier. I said, but I we have good reason, now, Maria, Marie. Magnus even speak. we've got, we've got the Thaises tomorrow. I know. I'm so excited about it. You told me about it last Friday, and you said, "Get me back on, and I will have all the details for you." And look, here I am. Yeah, I was. Yeah, withheld the you tip did. for Alan Cawley, <laughs> who's about to pack his bags and get down to the track. But um, yeah, it's as anticipated a full field of 18 runners. It's a hundred grand race. It's a very prestigious prize and it's Gorn Park is one of those tracks. It's a midweek fixture. It's a standalone fixture, but it, it, it really captures the imagination. It'll draw a massive crowd down there tomorrow and the, the atmosphere is always electric despite it might be cold. Everybody wraps up and I think what can often be a long, dull January kind of livens up a bit. So I have two selections for you, Marie. I don't... Um, I don't give you two too often for it, but it's such a difficult race. <laughs> Gordon Lee is very well represented here. He's got eight runners. I don't think any of the eight of them would win. <laughs> uh, Willie Mullins has got three. Paul Townend's picked carefully selected, but the two I like. Uh, donkey years for Eric and Connor McNamara, the father-son team who teamed up with Real Steel to win the Paddy Power Chase at Leopardstown at Christmas. I think they have a really good chance of donkey years. If the ground isn't gone too heavy, he's got a lovely racing weight of 10.9. And with a similar racing weight of 10.6 is Darren's Hope for Bob Murphy, the guy who uh, owns her, bred her, trains her, does everything with her, and he's only got one or two horses in training. That's the chosen mount of Danny Mullins, who surely could have had a mm-hmm. selection of rides in this race. But she's the only mayor in the lineup. And given the fact that she won the Florida Pearl so well at Punchestown last time, I think she could be very effective off that weight. Jane, you're really uh, setting it up for us. Ah, uh, well, I, I hope I hope it's a it's a very good renewal. As in, I hope everybody gets a fair crack of the whip. It can be a bit of a lottery. There's a lot of horses going down to these fences and I hope they all get from one side to the other safe and sound and we have a good clean race. Of course, earlier on the card is the John Mulhern Galmoy Hurdle. All of this, by the way, covered on RT2 coverage on uh, television tomorrow from 1.30. Barry Garrity, Hugh Cahill, myself and Ruby, Richard Pugh, Katie will all be there yeah, on site to see what looks like in the Galmoy Hurdle to Hoopo. He's a uh, Red Mills winner there at the track last year. He, of course, took the scalp of Honeysuckle and Classical Dream last time in the Hatton's Grace. And he's a very much an improving horse. He'll be subject to attention anyway because Davy Russell is on board. Davy, after partnering, partnering a few winners since he came back from his 
three week hiatus. Um, he that looks like a, 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 a not a penalty kick for him, but it looks like a straightforward contest for him. And the race we close out on the coverage tomorrow is the beginners' chase, and it sees the return of Sir Gerhard. The horse that won the Ballymore so impressive last year, the horse that won a champion bumper, he is returning and his first start over fences is in the 325. So Willie Mullins, Paul Town, and it could be a big day for them. Every day is a big day for them. But I think the fans who are going to make their way to the track, they were intending to see a brilliant Thayeste's, maybe a very good gal my hurdle. But the fact that they're also going to see the return of such a good horse in Sir Gerhard is an added bonus. OK, well, uh, we will all be tuning in to that tomorrow and looking forward to chatting to you on Friday. Jane Mangan, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Paul and Nadine, thank you for being in studio as well this evening. Betty De Silva is up next. RTE 2FM.